In this session, we're going to be studying Jehovah Nisi and Jehovah Saba. Both of these names come to us in battle scenarios. Jehovah Nisi, it's the Lord is our banner. It's like the flag that you're fighting under, that God is going before us and we're fighting under his authority. He's the captain of this army and he's gonna give us victory over our enemies. And then Jehovah Saba, we get that from David's confrontation with Goliath. And most people have Goliaths in their lives, things that loom so large, they look like they own you and are gonna ultimately defeat you. But because he is the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Saba, he has his own army in the invisible realm that can override and overwhelm and defeat anything you face in the visible realm. When you know his name, you know you can win your battles. Welcome to these two names of God, which will give you victory, even if you feel like you're on the horns of defeat. God's got a name for your situation. If you were to call the name of the president, that name would have clout. That name would be weighty because it's not only nomenclature, it's a position, a position of authority. It's a position that holds an office that is to be recognized, revered, and respected. Well, if you were to call my name at the White House, uh, it won't carry any weight, and they'll probably uh, kick you off the premises because I don't carry weight there. If you were to call my name here, well, maybe the same thing would happen, but, uh, uh, but at least here, people know my name. Well, if we respect and revere the name of the president who has a country, we ought to respect and revere the name of a God who rules the earth. And that's why we are studying the names of God so that we can give him the glory due that name. We've studied Elohim, the creator God, Jehovah, the self-revealing God, Adonai, the master, the ruler. And we've discovered that if you want to experience the power, Elohim, pursue the relationship Jehovah by submitting to the Lord your master. Amen. And when those come together, then you get to experience him. Today we want to look at two more names for God. In this session, we want to look at two more names for God that relate to one another, Jehovah Nisi and Jehovah Saba. The reason these two were paired is because they both deal with battles. And all of us have been in battles. In fact, you've either been in a battle, or in a battle, or headed toward a battle. Because life brings conflicts. Things that you run into that seek to defeat you, destroy you, discourage you, depress you, that want to ruin you. And you need to be able to fight and fight for victory. Well, that's what these two names refer to. And both names, Nisi and Saba, coming off of Jehovah, come to us in scenarios where God's people were in a battle. In Exodus chapter 17, verse 8, it says, Then Amalek came and fought against Israel. Amalek 
is that group of people who were the grandsons of Esau. And just as Esau and Jacob fought, the grandchildren were fighting too. And they were coming against God's people, seeking to bring them down. And that's what battles in life. That's what your spiritual enemy, the devil, who we fight against, he's trying to defeat you. But I want to give you a name for the Amalek in your life. Jehovah Nisi means the Lord our banner. A banner was used in scripture as a lead out of God's people as they were going to war. They would be fighting under the flag, so to speak. If our nation went to war, our flag represents the nation that we're fighting for and fighting from. It's the banner. Often in scripture, it was a pole with a a very shiny element at the top. This was our signet that we're coming to fight underneath. Moses said to Joshua to choose men to go out to fight in verse nine. But tomorrow I will station myself on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Joshua did as Moses told him. He fought against Amalek. Moses had Aaron and her go up to the top of the hill with him. It came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hands down, Amalek prevailed. When you're in the battles of life, sometimes you feel like you're winning. Other times you feel like you're losing. But this is where we learn a name for God, Jehovah Nissi because it will teach you how to fight your battle because God wants to reveal that to you today. He says, Joshua, you go down on ground level and you fight them with the tools of warfare. But I'm going up to the mountain and I'm going to hold the rod of God in my hands. This was the same rod that opened up the Red Sea. This was the same rod that brought water out of a rock. It used to be called the rod of Moses until God told him to throw it down and pick it up. When he threw it down and picked it up and hit the Red Sea, it's now called the rod of God. Because when he turned over what God had given him back to God, it became a tool that God could use and not just a tool that he possessed. He went up to the top of the mountain and he held up the rod and it said, When he held up the rod, Israel began prevailing in the battle. When he let down the rod, Israel began to lose. Watch this. That meant what was happening on the ground with the enemy was really not being determined by what was happening on the ground with the enemy. What was happening on the ground with the enemy was being determined by what was happening on the hill with Moses. Because when the rod was up, they were winning. And when the rod was down, they were losing. One of the reasons we wind up losing our battles is we fight in the valley with no rod on the hill. He says, as Moses held the rod of God up, they prevailed. Why? Because the rod of God was the appeal to heaven to intervene in the battle in the valley. We spend more time fighting in the valley than appealing on the hill. 
And it's what you do up there that will determine what happens down here. If you spend more focus on the things you're fighting than the God you're appealing to, don't be surprised that the battle doesn't go in your direction. But if you have a greater focus on up there while still carrying out with the tools God gives you down here, you will find out that Amalek has to succumb because heaven has joined the battle because there's a name here and that is Jehovah Nisi. Now, the folks in the valley were very dependent upon the mountain. They'd be fighting Amalek and Amalek would start beating them back and they'd be trying harder and wondering why did the battle change? Because something changed on the mountain. That's why I love what happens in verse 12. Moses' hands were heavy. In other words, he got like you and I get, he got tired. Because when you're in a war and you're battling the same thing every day, all day, every week, every, you get tired and your hands get heavy. You don't want to pray anymore. You don't want to read your Bible anymore. You don't want to uh, talk about God anymore because you're tired of fighting. But it says when his hands got heavy, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it and Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side, one on the other side. Thus his hands were steady until sunset. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Now watch this. You're going to get tired. You're going to get tired because Satan's not going to give up. Satan's enemies are not going to give up. The demons are not going to give up. But you're going to get tired. So you need an Aaron and her. You need some brothers and sisters who going to hold you up when you're too tired to fight on your own. Maybe at the beginning of your battles, you can make it because you feel strong. But after you deal with that mate over and over, those children over and over, those coworkers over and over, that boss man over and over, those finances over and over, that health thing over and over, you get tired. That means you've got to have people in your life who believe in your God, who are willing to appeal up there, even though you still got to fight down here. Because the battle is won in another location. Paul calls it heavenly places. See, you and I are supposed to live in two places at one time. We're supposed to fight in the valley under the banner of God, Jehovah Nisi, because God wants to reveal himself to you to show you that the spiritual handles the physical. Everything visible and physical is preceded by something invisible and spiritual. So if you want to deal with the visible and physical, you must address the invisible and spiritual. Because when you address the invisible and spiritual and get heaven involved in the visible and physical, the visible and physical must yield to the invisible and spiritual. So you are seated with him, Paul says, in heavenly places. You battle on earth, but you battle from heaven. You say, how can I be in two places at one time? It's easy. Through technology, you can be seated in Dallas, 
but use technology to be involved in a board meeting in Chicago. You're physically here while actually there. You're talking to them, they're talking to you, you can vote, you can do all the participation. You haven't moved your location, but you've transferred it to another realm. God says, I want you to transfer the battles on earth to the God in heaven because the God in heaven is bigger than whoever you're fighting on earth. That is Jehovah Nisi. It is your banner. It is the one under whom you're fighting. And so it says, then the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book, in a memorial and recite it to Joshua that I may utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar there and named it, the Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nissi. So when you hold up your rod, say, Lord, like Jacob, I'm not going to let you go until I see you break through here. I'm going to wrestle with you all night long. Let me tell you something about pro wrestling. In pro wrestling, they've already decided who's going to win before they get in the ring. And, that, and they, they are scripted matches. That's why they keep it entertaining by getting one person to win and another person to win. They script it. So they're not fighting for victory because victory was decided before they ever got in there. They're just in the fight from victory because they already know who's going to win. I don't know what Amalek is doing to you today. I want you to know that if you go under the right banner, the victory has already been decided. You're going to fight from victory, not merely for victory. That's why I also love 1 Samuel 17. In 1 Samuel 17, we run into another name of God, Jehovah Saba. We've got a problem. It's a big problem. It's a nine foot six problem. It's an NBA coach's dream. His name is Goliath of Gath. That sounds like somebody who would hurt you. Goliath of Gath. He is the champion of the Philistine army. This man at nine foot six has over 100 pounds of armor on him as described in the chapter. He comes out, it says, day after day to taunt Israel. And that's how you know you got a giant in your life because it looms large and won't let you go. Just day after day after day cursing and criticizing and threatening. A giant is anything in your life that looms so large that it controls your emotions. It says, and when Saul, verse 11, and all of Israel heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They were terrified because the giant was threatening them. We live in a threatening world. We live in a world of insecurity a world of fear. We live in a Goliath world. Whatever you are fighting today, I want you to do me a favor. Whatever you battling today, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to name it Goliath. Whatever it is that's looming large in your life, call it a name. Call it Goliath. And the reason I want you to call it Goliath is because now you know where it's going to wind up. So yeah, I want you to 
But you to call it Goliath. Little David comes on the scene. Little David comes to bring some food to his brothers who are on the, who are on the front lines. They ain't fighting, but they there. And he comes and brings them some food. And he hears the Philistine come out and threaten. And he utters some powerful words. Utters them twice. In verse 26 and verse 36. He says, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that he should taunt the armies of the living God. Verse 36, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like the lion and the bear since he has taunted the armies of the living God. Okay, watch this now. Goliath is nine foot six. David's five foot five. The whole army of Israel is looking up there, terrified by this giant. David looking down there and say he ain't been cut. <laughs> David said that man ain't been to the doctor. He's uncircumcised. You see, it depends on what you're looking at. See, if you're looking at how big your problem is, you're looking in the wrong direction. The issue is, has it been cut? You see, circumcision was a sign of the covenant. The Israel boys were circumcised the eighth day to, to say by their parents, we're placing you under the covering of God. The covenant was like an umbrella. An umbrella doesn't stop it from raining. It just stops it from raining on you. It's a covering or a covenant. He says he may be big, but he's uncovered. There is no divine protection on his side. And knowing there was no divine protection on his side, it changed his perspective. You know, perspective is everything. It depends on what you're looking at. David had a different perspective. You know, a father, a, a father had two sons and one was always negative, always negative, always negative, always finding something wrong. The other one was always positive, always finding something right. He said, I, I, let me try to flip this. So he took the negative one and put him in a room with nothing but toys. So he shouldn't have any complaints. He could have fun all day long. He took the positive son and put him in a room uh, and it just, had, it just had horse manure in it. It was a stinky room. He gave him an hour and he came back. The negative son with the toys was totally bored. He played with him and he's just sitting in the corner just bored. The positive son had a shovel and he was digging through the manure. He says, what are you doing? He says, well, with all this manure, there got to be a pony down here somewhere. <laughs> it all depends on what you're looking at. And if you can get your eyes on God, even though you can't miss the giant, it changes everything. Saul offers David to use his equipment. He says, I'm going to let you use my stuff. Well, I guess he did because he wasn't going to use it. But he said, I'm going to let you use my stuff. David said, I don't know that. I, I'm not good with that. But I do know how to use a slingshot and I do know how to use some stones. And uh, I, I'm going to take him with this. He comes to the Philistine. Philistine sees David in verse 43 and says, uh, Am I a dog, Bow Wow, that you come to me with sticks? You come to me with this little kid with sticks? And then he made the great mistake. 
He says, I curse you in the name of my gods. Mistake. See, when they first started out, it was a battle between the Philistines and Israel. Then it was Goliath in Israel. Then it was Goliath and Goliath and David's God. But now it's David's God and Goliath's God. He says, I defy you in the name of my God. So now we got a battle of gods, not just a battle of men. You want to get God into the battle so that you sicken, you're sicking somebody bigger on him than you can handle yourself. That's why God hates self-sufficiency. Because self-sufficiency means you can handle it yourself. God wants to be your authority. And that's why David says to the Philistine in verse 45, you come to me with the sword. You come to me with the spear. You come to me with the javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Saba. I come to you because you got your army and he got his army. And his army is bigger than your army. In fact, he don't even need an army. But his army is a host of heaven coming to your aid. When you get to heaven, you're going to discover a lot of things that could have happened and should have happened didn't happen because God was fighting a battle for you. Or it didn't get as bad as it could have gotten if God hadn't been in the equation. So when you're in the battle, Bring God into the equation. You know, in a football game, the, the, uh, the, uh, everybody's after the quarterback. The team is coming because the quarterback receives the ball and everybody wants to tackle the quarterback. They want to defeat the quarterback. But the quarterback turns and he hands the ball off to the halfback. The halfback now takes the ball and the folks who were coming after the quarterback change direction. They're no longer coming after the quarterback because the quarterback doesn't have the ball. They're going after the halfback because the halfback has been handed the ball. I don't know what Goliath is in your life, but hand him off. <laughs> hand him off so that the attack is no longer on you. David says, you come with all that stuff if you want to, but I come to you. I'm going to hand you off to somebody else. I'm going to hand you off to Jehovah Saba. It says that when he did that, he threw the slingshot, threw the stone, hit him in the forehead, took his sword, chopped his head off, took his head, gave it to Saul. They put it in a museum in Jerusalem. It says he took the sword, put it in his tent. Why did he give the head to Saul and keep the sword in his tent? As perpetual reminders, when the next fool comes up out here, and thinks that they're going to defeat the armies of the living God. Write down when God delivers you from your Goliaths. Write down Jehovah Nisi or Jehovah Saba has delivered me. Because there's going to be a new giant around the corner. And you need to be reminded about the perspective that gave you victory. The perspective of God's name. My granddaughter calls me Poppy. Uh, that's her name for me. It's Poppy this and Poppy that. When she was a little teeny girl, she was over our house and I heard her screaming my name. Poppy, 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 Poppy. Uh, she was just screaming. I ran to the door and there's a dog chasing her. The dog is chasing her and she is terrified. The dog was much bigger than her. 
She was running for her life. She was scared to death. Fear had consumed her. And she just kept calling my name. She said, Poppy, Poppy, Poppy. And she jumped in my arms. The dog ran up to me and kept making noise. Just kept, kept nipping and barking. And she was heaving. Oh, 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 Poppy, Poppy. She just kept calling my name. She kept calling my name. The dog was still barking while she called my name. Her calling my name didn't change the bark, but she kept calling my name. Then for a while, as the dog kept barking, she looked up at me and then looked down at the dog. She looked up at me and looked down at the dog. She looked up at me and this time looked down at the dog and said, nah, 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 nah. Where did she get that authority? Where did she get that confidence? Where did she get that power? She knew my name. And what she knew about me is while the dog may have been bigger than her, the dog wasn't bigger than Poppy. I don't care what your Goliath is. Call Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Saba. He's bigger than your Goliath.